You know, last the last time I preached on a Wednesday night, I, I preached on uh, the thought that we received a message from Jesus's brother James. Well, I want to preach part two on that thought. Uh, so if you're taking notes, this is a message from Jesus's brother. Uh, now, a few thoughts on Jesus's brother before we get too deep into it. Uh, Jesus's brother, James, did not believe that he was the son of God when Jesus told him he was the son of God. How many of you have a brother? Go ahead, raise your hand, raise your hand. If your brother came to you and said... <laughs> I didn't even say it yet. <laughs> All right, now, now, if my brother, my brother is here, uh, if my brother looked at me and said, uh, okay, uh, Frankie, I'm from heaven. I'm like, you're smoking something. If he said, look, your, your dad is not my dad, you know, um, my dad is God. And we have the same mom, but my dad is God. I, I would, I'd slap him. I'm just telling you, I'd slap him for that. I, you gotta be kidding me. Uh, it just, it, James was not buying it. He was just not having it. In fact, he didn't believe in Jesus until after the resurrection. I mean, when he was carrying the cross, while Jesus was carrying the cross, I mean, there had to have been a part of James that just said, look, Jesus, give it up. Come on, enough of this already. Tell them that you're not God and everything's going to be okay. And then when Jesus came out of the grave, then James was like, whoa, I've been in a pillow fight with God. <laughs> I've been playing hide and seek with God. I know he was cheating. I knew he was cheating the whole time, looking through walls. <laughs> you know, I mean, uh, so this is James. Now, James wrote a letter. It's one of my favorite books in the entire Bible. James wrote a letter, and um, we call it, uh, we call that letter James. Um, because he wrote it. Uh, we're, we were real creative when we were naming these books, weren't we? Um, but his particular book, his particular letter, uh, has always been one of my favorites. And so last, the last time I spoke, I spoke on chapter 1 of James. And uh, tonight I'd like to speak on chapter 2. And, and what he is basically doing in his letter is he's saying, um, and this is in my own words, look, I grew up with this guy. And if we're going to be like him, if we're going to aim to be like him, these are the characteristics that we need to have. This needs to be the target on the wall. And uh, I didn't go through the entire chapter because I had so much content within the first, I don't know, 20 verses. Uh, so I only went through half of the chapter and I pulled out four things that he talked about, um, things that we can just kind of aim for. And let me just tell you straight off the bat, some of these things that he's mentioning for some of us, you know, one of them might be really easy, whereas the other one is much more difficult. Let me just tell you. All of them are difficult without God's grace and without God's strength. And so while I'm speaking tonight, if one of them just starts resonating in your heart, just whisper to God, God, 
I want to be like this, but I won't be able to be like this unless you take your precious hands and put it in my filthy heart and change me around. The Bible says that he will give you a new heart and a new spirit. Isn't that cool? And so I want to encourage you to pray while I'm teaching tonight. Um, And so let's go ahead and dive into it. We're just going to kind of take it step by step. The first thing that he talks about in chapter two is an interesting topic. He talks about being prejudiced. Isn't that interesting? He talks about being prejudiced. So let's let's read it. We're going to read it kind of bit by bit. So James chapter 2 verse 1, James says this, my dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus if you favor some people over others? How can you claim to have faith if you favor some people over others? Now, let me, this is, if you just kind of sit on that verse a little bit, it starts to blow your mind. Because what he's saying is, how can you even say you believe in God? Because that's what faith is. Faith is being certain of what we cannot see and sure of what we hope for. So he's saying, you're saying you believe in God, but the fact that you treat people differently tells me you really don't believe in God. You say you believe in God, but how in the world? And so he actually steps out and says, you are a farce. You can't believe in God and be this kind of a person at the same time. Isn't that interesting? So I keep on reading, I I kept on reading as as it begins to uh, unpack it, and and this is what it says in James chapter 2, verse 4, just three verses later. It says this, Doesn't this discrimination, discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? So it's not that he's just kind of making this up saying, hey, if you treat one person better than another person, then you must not believe in God. He's not saying that without any substance. What he's saying is, if you really do treat one person better than another person, then that proves that there is evil in you. Because that evil is what's determining who you like and who you don't. Now, I'm going to make an assumption here, okay? I'm going to assume that I'm talking to an intelligent uh, congregation. I'm talking to intelligent people. It's because I'm talking to intelligent people, I'm not even going to tackle the race card because you're all intelligent. All right. Uh, you would be an ignorant group of people if I needed to talk to you about being prejudiced against different races. Okay. So I'm just going to make the assumption that all of us are intelligent. All right. Is that good? So we're just going to take that topic and move it over here. When we, I'm not even going to, that's not necessary because I'm talking to intelligent people. But this is where I do want to, this is what I do want to talk about when it comes to being prejudiced. Have you ever been in a room? where this person is so much more fun to talk to 
because they're charismatic and they're cool and they're pretty and they may have a little bit more money and it's exciting to talk to this person and out of the corner of your eye, you look over here and you see somebody that's not nearly as cool. They don't have as much money. They aren't as exciting to talk to. And in your mind, there's this small little voice that sees them and you want to talk to them, but you want to have more, you want to have fun more than you want to talk to them. And in your mind, you categorize. It's better for me to develop a, a relationship with this person than it would be for me to waste my time developing a relationship with this person. And so we begin to categorize people. I'm not talking about skin color. I'm talking about something equally as bad, but it's beneath the surface. We walk into the lobby after church today. You look around, oh, that person, uh, that, and we categorize. At work, we categorize. I remember when I first moved to Rockford, Illinois, uh, I, I, the, the guys there just would not let me in their group, their clique. I was 19 years old. This is, this rarely ever has happened to me. I, I, I'm just, I'm just, <laughs> That didn't come out right, right? That didn't come out right. But I say that with with humility. But I'm, I'm in it. I feel really awkward right now. But I, I'm, I remember being in the van, and I remember telling God, "So, so this is what it feels like. This is what it feels like to to be completely, utterly ignored. I was completely ignored." And, and some of you have lived your whole life that way. Uh, and I remember saying in the van to God, if you can get me out of this season and allow me to get into this friendship circle like I've always had, I promise I will look for people that are feeling the way I'm feeling right now. I'll never, ever forget that season. Never forget that season. And, and what James is saying here is, you cannot be prejudiced and headhunt people that you esteem to be better than other people. You can't. You can't do it. You can't esteem a certain category and be drawn to them and ignore another. And then he moves on. That's just like, just that right there, I could almost just kind of close the service and all of us just go, hmm. But he lays another big heavy bomb. After he talks about that, he moves progressively. In James chapter 2, he says this, but if you favor some people over others, you are committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Now let me just say this. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 44, it says this, to love your enemies. Now, I just want to just say that our prejudice in treating some people better than other people will show up in the area that I just talked about, where we talk about the cool factor, the influence factor, and then there's another area where it'll show up, is when 
they're just not likable. Are you with me? They're just not likable. I I just don't like you. Now, this is when we are tested. You're not tested when you like someone. It's easy to treat them nice when you already like them. That's not a test. There's no distinguishing. See, being a Christ follower is an interesting thing because when we all go to the mall and there's 10,000 people in the mall, don't we all somewhat look the same? So there's certain situations where we stick out. And where we stick out is we're one of the only belief systems that when somebody is mean to us, we turn around and we're nice back. Now, there's some, there's some laws out there um, that uh, we break every single day. We break them all the time, and we don't even realize it. Let me give you a few examples. Um, depending on where you live, uh, they're just ridiculous laws. In the state of Alabama, it is illegal for a driver to be blindfolded while operating a vehicle. <laughs> I am so glad that's a law because otherwise we would just blindfold ourselves. These are ridiculous laws. Watch this. In California, it is illegal for anyone to try to stop a child from playfully jumping over puddles of water. It's illegal. Isn't that crazy? Well, in Connecticut, you can be stopped by the police for biking over 50, 65 miles per hour. <laughs> it is also illegal to walk across the street on your hands. <laughs> it's a good thing they wrote these things down. In Florida, there are a number of strange laws, such as a law that prohibits unmarried women from parachuting on Sundays. (laughs) Now, if you're married, knock yourself out. But if you're not married, we're going to throw you in jail. These are all real. Watch this. In in Florida, a law that says you have to pay a parking meter if you park your elephant at the curbside. See, this is what's wrong with our nation. In Illinois, it's illegal for anyone to teach their pets to smoke cigars. can't do that, sir. You can't do that. In Indiana, if you eat garlic, you can't go to a movie or ride on public transportation for at least four hours. (laughs) In Iowa, a single kiss is not allowed to last over five minutes. In Kentucky, you are not considered drunk until you can't hold on to the ground anymore. (laughs) That's plastered. Also, you can't keep ice cream in your pocket. That's illegal. 
<laughs> in Louisiana, I got a few pages for these guys. <laughs> Just kidding. In Louisiana, it's illegal to rob a bank and then shoot at the bank teller with a water pistol. You can't do that, sir. Also, biting someone with your natural teeth, this is in Louisiana, biting someone with your natural teeth is a simple assault, while biting someone with your false teeth is aggravated assault. <laughs> See, this, it's a simple assault because nobody there has natural teeth. So... <laughs> In Massachusetts, snoring is prohibited unless all bedroom windows are closed and securely locked. <laughs> and goatees are illegal unless you first pay a special license fee for the privilege of wearing one in public. It's a privilege. Does anyone here have a goatee? Anyone here? Well, you better believe it, because I want uh, we're, we're selling licenses for these goatees after service. In New Mexico, women are forbidden to have beards in public. Now, that's a good law right there. <laughs> uh, that, that should be a law everywhere. I just That should be a national law. If you're a lady, you have to shave your beard. <laughs> in Oklahoma... You can be fined, arrested, or jailed for making ugly faces at a dog. <laughs> That's it, sir. <laughs> I only got two more. In Vermont, by law, everybody has to take at least one bath each week, and it must be on a Saturday night. In Nebraska, no, I think this should be a national law as well. In Nebraska, parents can be arrested if their children burps in church. That's, that's a good law, I think. Anyone here? Don't you think that's a good law? You're going to get arrested for that, ma'am. <laughs> now, what does this have to do with my sermon? Almost nothing. <laughs> Almost nothing. But I, I will say this. It's, it's when these there's certain laws that are just ridiculous. But there's other laws that James tells us, look, guys, I, I don't want... And I can almost hear his heart here. This is a law, yes. But more than not treating somebody properly because it's a law, we need to be doing it because that's how Jesus did it. Are you with me? Second thing he started talking about was sin itself. Now, when he went, when he started talking about sin, it was actually um, a, a part of, of verse 9. In this category of sin, it was he, he really opened it up in verse 10. So let me connect the verse that I just read. He says this, But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You are guilty of breaking the law. Now watch this. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as the person who broke, who has broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. 
So if you murder someone but do not commit adultery, you have still broken the law. So uh, what he's saying is, if you've sinned one time, it almost sounds kind of crazy if you think about it. If you, Bobby, murder somebody, you are no less or no more guilty than Eddie who lied. Isn't that crazy? The murderer and the guy who lied are both guilty equally. Now, some of us in the room can go, all right, I don't understand God. I don't get God. I don't understand God. How in the world can it be equal? Well, I was chewing on this. And let me see if I can illustrate it a few ways. Raise your hand if the name Billy Graham rings a bell to you. Raise your hand. Billy Graham. So Billy Graham, if for those of you that don't know, has preached to more people than any other human being that's ever lived on the globe. He's preached to him. He was on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno years ago. And Jay Leno looked at him and said, have you ever in your life committed a sin? And everybody in the crowd was like, ha, 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 ha. Ever just one sin. And Billy Graham looked back at him and said, oh, yeah. And Jay said, really? Which one? And Billy Graham said, all of them. Because the Bible says if I've committed one sin, if I'm guilty of one sin, I'm guilty of them all. Let me see if I can illustrate it another way. When I used to play basketball in high school, if one person was late for practice, the entire team had to run. The whole team. But what's the common thread that I'm trying to make here? God has set this up. He has set it up to where none of us can look at each other and go, I'm just a little bit better than you. I'm just a little bit more holy than you. I'm just, he has set it up. The way he has made the rules and the laws, nobody can look at anybody and be a little bit better. All, this is how I like to say it. If you are holding a big rock and standing next to a pool, and I'm holding a little tiny rock, and I'm standing next to the pool, and you throw your rock in and I throw my rock in, which rock goes to the bottom? Both of them. Well, my rock is bigger. Well, my rock is smaller. We're both at the bottom of the pool. You sin this way. I sin this way. We're both sinners. He has set it up to where nobody can judge anybody. You can't. I read this quote somewhere. I don't know where I saw it. But the quote said, Don't judge me because your sin is different than mine. Isn't that good? You know this, there's, Jesus has set it up to where nobody can be pompous. Nobody can be snooty. Nobody go, I can't believe she's wearing that. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. 
Oh, I know she just didn't. I know she just didn't. You set it up. You can't do that. You can't look across the sanctuary and go, you can't look at another church. You can't look at another person. You can't do it because your rock is at the bottom of the pool too. I love God for that. We're all sinners. But what he says, let's not forget the first point. If you treat somebody differently, that is a sin. And it's as if you've broken all of them. Isn't that something? All right, here we go. Number three. Then he cracks open this thought. Mercy. Thank the Lord you're killing me, James. So he talks about being prejudiced, and then he talks about how prejudice is a major sin. And then he says, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you have been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. So when I started reading the paragraph on mercy, I was like, yeah, talk to me about mercy. Make me feel a little bit better, man. Throw me a lifeline, James. And then he says this, hey, before you start thinking about the mercy that you want, Frankie, how much mercy have you been distributing? Now again, it's easy to give mercy to people who we like. We're only tested on mercy when it's to somebody who doesn't deserve mercy. Are you with me? If you like them, that's not a test. If, if you feel like they deserve mercy, that's not a test. It's a test when you feel like they don't. Let me give you an example. Everybody know Jonah and the whale? The story, Jonah and the whale? Wait, nod at me. Jonah and the male? The, the male? <laughs> Jonah and the whale? God told Jonah, I want you to go to a city called Nineveh. I want you to preach to them. And the whole reason why God wanted Jonah to go to them is because he wanted the people of Nineveh to say, God, we're sorry for our sins, and God wanted to save them. Jonah says, no, no, I am not going because they don't deserve the mercy. Now, was he being an arrogant, pompous jerk? Yes, but not as arrogant as you may think he is. The Ninevites prided themselves on torture. They came up with creative ways to torture people for minimal reasons. They would skin people alive. We're going to take all the, like, skin them alive. Take all the skin off a person's body. They would take limbs off a person's body rather than killing them they just take all the limbs off they would pride themselves in the creative ways that they could kill people so Jonah said no I'm not going to preach for these people I'm not going to go tell them about you because they deserve to burn and rot in hell now 
Now all of a sudden getting swallowed by a fish makes a little bit more sense. I'm not going that way. You want me? I'm, they don't deserve it. I'm going this way. See, mercy is only tested when it's to people that we feel don't deserve it. And James is saying this, all right, I grew up with Jesus. If we're going to be like him, when we meet the person that does not deserve it, that's when we distinguish ourselves and separate ourselves from people who are following Jesus versus people who are not. See, there are some people, and I, I cannot stay on this topic very long because it's too sensitive. But there's some people in our lives that if we never saw them, it would be too soon. <laughs> that's how angry we are at them. And that's when it's tested. That's when it's tested. Point number four, my last point. He begins to unpack faith. So he talked about being prejudiced. He talked about sin, how all sin is the same. Then he talked about mercy, that we need to give mercy to people. Now watch this. Let me finish that last verse. I almost forgot it, the second half of that verse. He said, depending on how you distribute mercy, that's how much you're going to get. You like to hold grudges? Well, that's how much mercy you're going to get when you stand before God. Well, I don't like holding grudges to everybody, just that person. All right. Well, we're not talking about all the other people. We're just talking about that person. The amount of mercy that you're going to give to that person is the amount of mercy you should expect to get when you stand before God. You know, I ask myself a lot, is there anybody in this world that if I were to bump into them at the mall, I haven't seen them in years, or I haven't seen them in weeks, I haven't seen them in months, or whatever. Is there anybody in this world I cannot bump into? Now, I'll be transparent. There's a lot of people I'd rather not bump into. Just being honest, I'd prefer to not bump into them. There's, I mean, there's, there's quite a few people I'd prefer to not. But is my conscience clean? My conscience is clean. I can bump into them. I just prefer not to. Let me ask you the question. Is your conscience clean? Have you forgiven? Have you given mercy? Allow the Holy Spirit to talk to you on that. Let God speak to you on that. So watch this. Verse five, I'm sorry. Verse 17 of the same chapter. He changes the topic again, but it all strings together. He begins to start talking about faith. You see, faith by itself is not enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Let me keep on reading in verse 19. You say you have faith, 
for you believe that there is one God. Watch this smart mouth that he has, and I appreciate it. Good for you! Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? And then in verse 21 and 25, he gives two examples about how if you really believe in God, there should be actions that back it up. And he uses Abraham as an example. He says, Abraham wanted to prove his faith, so he laid down his son and he was going to sacrifice him to show God that he loved God more than his son. Now, God didn't allow him to sacrifice his son, but he used that as an example. And then he used a prostitute as an example, this lady named Rahab, who claimed that she believed in God, but then she actually backed it up by pulling in believers into her house and protected them and and hid them and then showed them how to get out of her town safely. And so he says all this to say, guys, I know, I know that you guys want to be like Jesus. Then he names off those four categories. But if you are serious about this, you cannot treat anybody any better than anyone else. The less cool, the cooler. And let me just say this, all of us, have a life outside of church. So when you go to work tomorrow, is there anyone there that is less cool than everyone else? When you go to school tomorrow, is there anyone there that's less cool than anyone else? You know, I'm going to circle back around to that awkward moment that I had um, a few minutes ago when I was speaking, and I, I said, man, I've never not been you know, in the in crowd, and I felt kind of stupid. Um, I feel stupid saying it again, actually. Um, but my, my, <laughs> my father taught me something when I was in the seventh grade, and it changed my life. Changed my life. He's, I was going to a new school. And he goes, Frankie, you're going to a new school, and you're going to want to find all the cool kids, but don't. He goes, find every single girl that has never had a boyfriend before and you'll be able to spot them. And find every kid that has no friends and you'll be able to spot them. And find every kid that's probably not an athlete and you'll be able to spot them. And spend all of your time talking to them. When you walk into your English class, go find these kids and say, hi, 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 hi. Then you walk into your math class, go find these kids before the class starts and says, hi, 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 hi. He goes, and watch what happens within six weeks. Well, first of all, all these kids that had no friends now had a friend in me. And all the cool kids started admiring me because I cared about these other kids more than I cared about them. And for the rest of my life, I started realizing that if I treat everybody with as much focus as the next person, man, I can live a pretty great life. And I learned that when I was in the seventh grade. So now, I don't always, I don't bat a thousand, I do mess up a lot. But when I'm out in that lobby and I'm talking to someone 
and someone pats me on the shoulder or pats me on the back to say hi, I'm laser focused on the person I'm talking to because that person is the most important person. And then whoever patted me or wants to say hi to me, I don't know who they are, and I don't know how cool they are, how great they are, but they're not more important than the person that I'm talking to. And that one little principle right there has changed my whole life, and I learned it in the seventh grade. Now, there's other areas I've really got to get a lot better at, but that particular area. You want to hear something else? Jeez, I don't even know if I want to say this one. I'm going to go ahead and say it. (laughs) Why not? You know, I don't know who's a tither and who's not a tither in our church. In 10 years, in 10 years of pastoring this church, I've never one time checked to find out who's a giver and who's not a giver. Because here's the reality. I don't trust myself that will make me want to treat somebody different than others. And so now, I just assume all of you are tithers. I assume all of you give. Now all of you guys are incredibly important because our family, our financial structure is like a pizza pie. We need every single slice to do their job. So I better pay attention to every single slice. I don't pay attention to one person because they give and this person doesn't give. I just assume all of you do. And I like it like that. It feels good. I just don't like it the other way. Can I just say that I feel more like Jesus when I'm thinking that way than ever before? There's four things that he basically has said. Treat everybody the same. Remember when somebody messes you over and you're mad at them, the amount of mercy you give is the amount of mercy that you're going to get. Then he talks about sin. Hey, your sin and their sin, it's both black. So don't judge because it's different. And he backs up and he starts talking about faith. And he really cultivates this. He really spends some time on this. And he says this in verse 26 of the same chapter. Just as a body is dead without breath, also faith is dead without good works. Let me show you those four things again because these are the works that we have to exercise. Showing no prejudice, knowing the weight of our sin, showing mercy, and showing our faith through action. Just believing in God, but not doing anything for Him is just not enough. And I really feel something really special happening in this room right now. I can't quite put my finger on it. I'm not exactly sure what God is doing. But I believe that by being in His presence, scrolling through the Scriptures, He's making us more like Him. He's making us more like Him.